The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I'm still going to have an anointing of oil service, and I'm going to anoint people with oil tonight, and uh, we're going to believe God to activate gifts in you. Uh, Paul said to Timothy, he said, stir up the gift that is in you by the laying on the, of my hands and the hands of the elders of the church. And so you can be gifted, but still asleep, Right? God wants you to be gifted, but he wants you to stir the gift up so the gift is active. And many times we provide limits to what we carry. And God, if God gifts you, he enables you to be able to operate in the grace in that gift. And when we talk about the grace of God, we're talking about God's enabling power to do the will of God. I am graced. I am graced to do what I'm doing now. I need the grace to do what I'm doing now because in the flesh, by choice, I would be back with my wife back in Australia, right? The flesh, right? So when I step out from my garage and into my shuttle, I, the grace of God does fall on me. In the airport, the grace does fall on me because the airport is the beginning of many airports and many carousels lugging heavy luggage off the carousels it's the grace of God. When we talk about the grace, we're talking about God's enabling power to do His will. It takes grace to be married. My God, it takes grace to be married. Hallelujah. I mean, saying I do is the easiest part of a relationship, right? Because you have moments where you thought, I should not have done that. Hallelujah. So, so when you have the, the marriage of the marriage day, often in many people's lives is the best day of their marriage, is the day they said and all the celebration. But hands up those who know the celebration leaves and you're left with the, rule, the, 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 raw, the raw marriage and relationship to do it and get it right. And it takes a lifetime to do this. And so we need grace to be married. Hands up those who know that we need grace to be parents. I mean, before puberty, it's like you've died and gone to heaven. And then puberty comes and somehow your children turn into demons. <laughs> Glory to God. And so it, you need to have grace to be a parent. You need to have grace to see what you are like in what mutates out of you. It takes grace to see a picture of what you used to be like in your, own in your own children. What you don't like in your kids really is a movie rerun of what you used to be like oftentimes. And we don't like the movie rerun. So it takes grace. It takes an enabling power to be able to, to be married, to be a parent, to be in the ministry, to be in a job. It takes grace. We need grace. And so if you're finding something difficult, you need to believe God that grace, I ask, if I ask God nothing else. I say, God, give me grace to do what I do. 
I need grace when I'm exhausted, when I'm tired, to do what I do. I'm not tired now. I had a little nap. <clears throat> but it takes grace. It takes grace to hop into a hotel room and go from bed to bed to bed to bed. Someone said, have you ever lifted up the, the blanket under the sheet on the mattress? And I thought, I ain't going there. Glory, I'm just not going that way, man. That would be that would put me off sleeping. I don't want to see what I'm lying on. Now I felt certain mattresses move, so I don't know who's been living there. But you know, you sort of feel creepy, crawly stuff going on. But you need the grace to do that. So, so here's what I want to share. I want to share the scripture in Proverbs 16. Verse 4, and then what I'm going to do, we're going to pray for people here tonight. We've got a, enough oil to drown you, and I'm going to anoint you with oil, and I want to activate and awaken the gifts. Hands up those who believe here that they are gifted, that you do carry a gift. Okay, so what we're going to do tonight, we're going to awaken that, and I'm going to ask God in mass, but then pray for you individually. I'm going to ask God to open doors that have been held back from you. It's one thing to be gifted, but you've got to have doors to go through to steward your gift. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. Okay, let's read the scripture where we're safe. Hallelujah. All right, verse 4. The Lord has made everything to accommodate itself and contribute to its own end and his own purpose. Even the wicked are fitted for their role for the day of calamity and evil. I'll say it again. The Lord has made everything to accommodate itself and contribute to its own end and his own purpose. Even the wicked are fitted for their role for the day of calamity and evil. So, so that brings me to... Disclose the title of my message is this, when evil works for God, when evil works for God. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16, 1 Samuel chapter 16, I love this church because you love the word and I love the way you take notes, it's awesome. 1 Samuel chapter 16, and we're going to look at verse 13 and 18, because these are the scriptures we're going to focus on tonight. So verse 12, Jesse sent, brought him David, and David had a healthy reddish complexion, beautiful eyes, and was fine looking. And the Lord said to Samuel, arise, anoint him, this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed David in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an, and, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented and troubled him. Saul's servant said to him, Behold, an evil spirit from God torments him. Let our Lord now command your servants here before you go to find a man who plays skillfully on the lyre, and when the evil spirit from God comes upon you, he will play it, and you will be well. Saul told his servants, find me a man who plays well and bring him to me. 
One of the young men said, I have seen the son of Jesse, a Bethlehemite, Bethlehemite, who plays skillfully, a valiant man, a man of war, prudent in speech, and eloquent, an attractive person, and the Lord is with him. And we know the story. So let's go to Romans 8, verse 28. Romans 8. Romans 8, well-known scripture, Romans 8, 28. And it says, For we are assured and know that God being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into the plan for good to and for those who love God and who are called according to his design and purpose. So here's the background to what I want to share today. Most of us can endure trials and evening the chastening of God. But what if it is an evil thing that we are dealing with? Is this as much God as the trial? And that's the question I want to deal with today because some of us are sideswiped by, by when we face an evil day. If we know it's a trial from God, if we know it's the chastening of the Lord, that's one thing. But what if we are confronted with manifest evil? How do we handle evil? And this scripture in Samuel bothers me because it would appear that God sent an evil spirit and it said, I think, three times that, the, that it was an evil spirit from God. And my message is, when evil works for God. So what we have here is a transfer of power. We know the story in 1 Samuel uh, 15, when Samuel said to uh, Saul, kill Agag, kill everything. Everything that breathes, you kill. Saul disobeyed Samuel, disobeyed the Lord, and spared the, the life of Agag. So King Saul is king when Samuel comes to him and tells him this. He said, because of your disobedience regarding Ahag, Agag rather, the kingdom shall be wrenched from him. In other words, he says, because of disobedience, you are going to lose your kingship. Now, there are two things to remember here. When, when, when Saul was anointed by Samuel, he was anointed with a vial of oil, like this. Like a vial, big vial, a vial of oil, right? That is type of man's choice. Israel were run by judges, appointed by God. But because Israel saw that other nations had kings, they wanted a king. So Saul was man's choice, and he was anointed with a vial of oil. David, who was God's choice and God's man, was anointed with a horn of oil, not a vial. We'll come to that. So I want you to write this down today because it's important. There is a fallout of disobedience. Number one, disobedience leads to loss. Number two, if you are disobedient, you lose privileges and rights and opportunities. 
And when you are disobedient to God, it's like the old saying, you can run, but you cannot hide. You might think that you've gotten away with it momentarily. But God is not mocked. That which a man sows, he shall surely reap. So you lose privileges, rights, and opportunities. Number three, Saul had been judged by Samuel for being disobedient, and so his loss was the loss of his kingdom. God says he's got to go. Now turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. So the background to David's anointing is this story. God tells Samuel, I have found me a man. So here's here's the background to the story. Not only did God move Saul out, he moved his whole house out, and he changed the entire dynasty of 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 the household. He just did not remove Uh, He just did not remove Saul. He removed his entire dynasty. So what I'm saying, gross disobedience can affect you generationally. That's why as a parent, that's why as a leader, your legacy must be one of righteousness, obedience, and holiness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I mean, my kids might complain about me, but they know that I'm a true man of God, that I do have integrity, that that I am what I am. What I am to you, I am privately. I am no different up here than I am down there. Now, I'm not as animated down there as I am up here. Glory to God. I don't bounce into my house. Hi, Kathy, give me a coffee. You know, I don't do that. I mean, that ain't going to work, right? Say with me, Marcus. Hallelujah. That doesn't happen. I don't go into a restaurant and say, hey, glory to God. I want a steak medium rare, hallelujah, and give me a side of corn and spuds. I don't do that. Although I was in a restaurant that it wouldn't be seen as unusual today. Glory to God. I went to, where did I go? Bell's Chicken Diner. I loved it. I loved the way the waitresses dressed like that. Anyone been to that restaurant here? You've never been, I, look, go to it. They paid me big money to give that plug tonight, hallelujah. It, it's just crazy, it's open from Thursday through Sunday, but they, the waitress, what, what was she wearing today? My, she had socks up to here or something, striped socks. I, I couldn't take my eyes off her. <laughs> hallelujah, I thought, how can someone look so bizarre? And, and, it was, and somehow it's nice. I took a photo and sent it to Kathy, and she wrote back and said, who's she? Glory to God. So not good. I shouldn't have done that, no. No, I should not have done that at all. Glory to you. I mean, you live and learn, don't you? We've been married 100 years and we still haven't learned. No, it's right back. You wouldn't understand. Glory to God. I don't think that went over well either. Hallelujah. I don't know how we got onto the restaurant. It's my show. Glory to God. So, so, so God tells Samuel, I, I found me a man. Now, one of the interesting things about this, that David was not in line to be king. It came out of left field. And oftentimes, there's no rhyme or reason why God chooses you. He could have chosen somebody else with more natural ability. 
but he chose you. When God puts his hand on your life, everything changes. Here's David in the backside of pasture looking after sheep. All the brothers come before uh, Samuel and Samuel said, is this the man? And God said, this is not the man. He said, is this the man? This is not the man. Is this the man? This is not the man. And and, in frustration, Samuel said to Jesse, have you got anybody else in your household? And, And Jesse said, there is the youngest in the household. He's looking after the sheep. The word youngest in the Hebrew means the very least in the father's esteem. And he said, bring him here to me. So God doesn't need you to be geographically in the right place at the right time. We're not looking for a job here. You don't have to be in the right place at the right time. Your heart has to be in the right place at the right time. Your heart has to be a heart after God. Because I've learned one thing about God. God can find you. He found the apostles when they went up into the upper room and they hid out there in an upper room, basically out of fear. (coughs) And they waited in the upper room and somehow, I don't know how God would pull this off, but he found them (laughs) and sent the Holy Spirit. And they got baptized in the Holy Ghost. So stop trying to get and and stop trying to think that if you can get with this person and and that person and get that connection and and just get around this kind of uh, group of people and and, and you just rub shoulders and and, and and then all of a sudden, yay, behold. God can find you if you're under uh, under a Ford truck trying to get it on the road that's been off the road for a month. Glory to God. Even God can find a person that's working on that. Hallelujah. I I had to get you on that one, man. Glory to God. Don't you talk about Ford. I'm telling you, have you driven it the last few weeks? No. Glory to God. Helen, all the Toyota men said. Well, that was pretty weak, wasn't it? Hallelujah. Oh, oh, he degraded the women. Hallelujah. Oh, no, sir. This is bad now. This, is, this party's getting rough for me. Glory to God. I'm, I'm telling you now. So God says to Samuel, I will not tell you which one, but I will put you in the neighborhood. God will put us on the right path and oftentimes will not give us details because we still have to walk by faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith and not by sight. So here's the story. Samuel fills his horn with oil, goes down to Jesse's house to see what's going to happen. He knows he's going to anoint a king, but which one? Samuel tells Jesse, one of your sons is the next king of Israel. So all Jesse's sons pass before Samuel. And when Samuel holds up the horn to anoint them, 
there was not a release of the oil. So write this down. God's anointing is personal. What God has for you, nobody else can have. If God favors you, no one can steal your favor unless you give it away. No one can steal the call of God from my life. I have had many takers, but you're not going to steal from me. Not because I won't let you, it's because it never belonged to you in the first place. You can mimic me, you can copy me, but I'm the best Nigel that was ever, ever, I'm the best me ever. You are the best you ever. Hallelujah. I want you to just speak this out say, I'm the best me there's ever been. So when God made me, he threw away the mold. Say, thank God for that. Glory to God. I am unique. When I first started out on ministry, I was trying to find my identity. I didn't even know who I was. The only thing I knew how to do was copy everybody. So every man of God I copied. We had a man of God come through the church, I copied them. So when I was asked to do something in the church, I would stand up and I think it was a copy of them because I was a good mimic. I was brought up in the theater. So I would mimic people. And so I would stand up and mimic and the people, you could see the people groaning. Oh my God, who is he this time? And then one day I discovered myself and I thought, this is who I am. And it was such a relief to know that God put an anointing on me and that I could function in the realm. And, and God always works through your personality and through your temperament. You don't have to die to your temperament or your personality. Some of you are of quiet disposition. Well, God's not going to make you like me. Say, thank God for that. Right? God will work through your... Per you might have a soft, gentle personality, and God needs that from you because there are other people that need that softness and that gentleness. We all play a part. And I love what I do. I hopped in the car this morning to come to church, and I just, I just said to myself, I mean... You know, when there's no one else there, you talk, right? To yourself. And I was talking to myself, and I, I, just, I just said out loud, I love this job. I, I love doing this. <clears throat> I meet fantastic people. I get to come to this church. I get to travel. I mean, after this, I go to, uh, uh, go to Dallas, and then I go to Oklahoma for two weeks, and, and then I go to... Um, Nashville, and then, and then I go to, uh, sorry, I go yeah, to Dallas, uh, to Heartland, Steve Hill's uh, old church. Then I go to Nashville, and then New York. Oh, New York, New York, glory to God. I love New York. And the church uh, that I go to is, is full of people that, that are ex-mob and retired coppers. So how's that for a combination of people? And the guy that's my minder, they give me a minder. And the guy that's my minder is a bodybuilder who, 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 uh, who competes, but, but he was also, he ran numbers, 
and, and he was head of security of one of the most elite strip clubs of New York. Hallelujah. And that's who looks after me. It's amazing. And the guy that really latched on to me, and his father was a, was a boss, uh, is a guy called Joe Diamond. And, and Joe, he wrote to me the other day, and he said, he didn't think I was coming, and he said, careful, you said, you better give us a date, otherwise I'll come out of retirement. And I thought, oh, really? Glory to God. So I get to meet these colorful people, and I love it. Glory to God. So, my God, it's good to be alive, isn't it? Amen? All right. Did you see how I did that? Just lift your leg up like that. You've got to practice that. And I'll think you're 10 years younger. All right. Glory to God. The horn that Samuel anointed David from was taken from an ox's head, which meant the spilling of blood, so it might carry the oil. And we're going to be anointing with oil tonight. The blood and the oil. Write this down. You can't have oil, speaking of the anointing, if you don't have blood. No redemption, shedding of blood, no anointing. You can't operate in this anointing unless you have embraced redemption and belong to Christ. Write this down. To carry the anointing requires sacrifice. We're in a culture today where we, we only want to hear what makes us feel good. But Bible culture tells me that if I want to be a carrier, because the Bible says we have these things, these treasures in earthen vessels. So our body, our soul, our spirit carries the divine in human vessels. And we are carriers. But there is a sacrifice to carry. There is a cost to be a carrier to carry the things of God. Whenever you see a successful man of God preaching or ministering in the anointing, I guarantee that man has been to hell and back to be able to carry what he carries. Because the devil also knows what you carry and you will face conflict because of what you carry. You will face opposition because of what you carry. What you carry many times makes other people in the body of Christ jealous of what you carry because they have not got the revelation that they can't have what you have got, right? But then you can't have what they've got. Because as I said before, the anointing is personal. There's something good on you, darling. Uh, there is. On both of you, there's something... Mm, I can't wait to get my hands on you later. Hallelujah. So we carry, there is an anointing. Stop asking for a double portion of anointing if you don't want a double portion of sacrifice. I'll say it again. Stop asking for a double portion, because I get this all the time. I want a double portion, I want a double portion. Then, then I, I, I don't know if I'm capable of pr providing that, but, but do you want a double portion 
of sacrifice. Do you want a double portion of cost? Do you want a double portion of conflict? Because what we have to do, the reason why we go through the chastening of the Lord and the reason why we go through trial is to cause us to be able to rule our spirit under pressure. When most people would collapse, we rule our spirit. Those of us that are seasoned, we steady ourselves in the storm and we, we, we rule our spirit because we know we are in a storm, but because of past history, we know God is the Christ of the storm. Pastors have to learn to steady themselves under, un, under pressure. In the house of God, because in the house of God, we are leaders. We are to exhibit leadership, which means sometimes when it seems like everything is just going to hell in the basket around about us, we as leaders have to steady ourselves. When we steady ourselves, we then can steady others. Am I making sense tonight? You getting something out of this tonight? A lot of what I'm sharing tonight is 50 years of ministry. Don't ask, for, I get asked this a lot, I want your mantle. Can, can you pass on your mantle to me? And I say, don't ask for my mantle if you can't handle my misery. I'll give you my mantle, but I'm gonna, you need to go through the misery that I had to go through to get the mantle in the first place. And the problem today, we're in a church culture that everyone's going to grin, smile, and say, God is good and everybody loves everybody. But I, and, and that should be true as well. But, but I'm a bit more real and know that in the church life, we all go through some stuff and we all face some trials and we go through some problems. But, but you know, we come to church and smile like we've never had a problem in our life. So most of us are actors. Hallelujah. Denial does not make your problem leave. But many times the problem comes because God wants to toughen you up on the inside. They say in certain areas in Texas, put your big boy's pants on. Well, that's what God does, Marcus. He trains you how to big, put your big boy's pants on. How to be, how to be tough in a situation. Toyota resilience. And mind you, the only time I ever take my car to Toyota is for an oil change. Glory to God. And all the Toyota people that are none here except me said amen. Although I'm driving a hire car Nissan, and I fought them on that. They said, we've only got a Nissan. I said, have you got anything else? They said, we've got a Cadillac. I said, well... Uh, is that extra? Yes. I said, the Nissan will be just great. Thank you very much. So I'm driving this Nissan. And uh, anyway, hallelujah. Glory to God. And I'm not used to driving a car. So it's like, you know, have you ever, you know, as you get older, right? 
Have you ever noticed when you get older, you get off the chair and you go, <laughs> you make noises that you never did. Because when you're young, you just get off the chair and you glory to God and you face the world. But we don't get up so quick now. <laughs> glory to God. It's like, ooh, yeah. And I'm not used to a car, so I grunt when I get into the car because I've got to get in without messing my hair up. Because <laughs> I'm used to hide, right? So I get into the car. Hey. And I sort of slide into the car like, like, a, like a spider. And, and, and then when I get out of the wretched little thing, I've got to, I've sort of got to, I've got to shrink. I've got to become a dwarf on the front seat. Zoo, zee, and out of the car. It's frustrating to say the least. Glory to God. I shouldn't complain. <coughs> but I am anyway because I hate it. Glory to God. Glory to God. If you can't endure the blood, leave the oil alone. Blood and oil always go together. Write this down. To whom much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. Historians say that the horn had a wax seal to stop the oil from running out. So here's David's background to the call of God. And you may be able to place yourself alongside King David with this. Number one, David was not even in line to be a king. Number two, he wasn't next. Number three, he wasn't close. In other words, number one, he wasn't in line. He wasn't next. It wasn't his turn. He wasn't close. He wasn't even in the area. And lastly, he was the black sheep. Excuse the pun. He was the black sheep of the family. So I want to say this about the anointing. When I talk about oil, I'm talking about the anointing. When the oil finds the right person, the oil or the anointing will begin to flow. There is a flow which has got your name on it. When you move into that flow, everything that has been held back from you will start breaking over your life. I'll say it again, when you move into the flow or, or anointing, everything that has been held back from you will start to break over your life. When you get into the right place with God, pop, there it is. Doors start opening. Favor starts coming. You begin to sense the ability that God's placed in you. Everything about God is multiplication and growth. He wants you to grow on the inside. He wants you to multiply on the inside. He wants you to be strong. He wants you to be a human, but he wants you to be a spirit person. I'm very human, but I'm very spirit. Hallelujah. One day this body's just going to frizzle up and go. Every time I look in the mirror, I see some area of frizzle that's already leaving. Hallelujah. And uh, you, you can't get to this age and not see. They tell me, though, uh, that between 90 and 100, you don't age. Now, I don't know if we've got a doctor in the house, but um, 
that's what I heard. I'm clinging on to this because I intend to live till I'm at least 110, 120, right? So I know that I've got a reprieve between 90 and 100, and I'm going to paint the town pink, brother. When 90 to 100, I'm going to be my most dangerous. Hallelujah. I've got a six-year-old uh, granddaughter called Sabella and a three-year-old called Cash, and I said to the Lord, I want to see them married. I was down the beach exercising. I said, would you grant me this? And I felt the Lord, I mean, as clear, as clear as a bell. He said, oh, grant it. Actually, I asked the Lord for 100, but I'm going to squeeze another 10 years in there somewhere. But I, but I, I said, would you give, it, uh, give me, uh, let me get to 100? He said, granted. And then I figured, yes, but hold on. I can live to 100 in a rest home. I don't want that. I don't want to be in some wrinkle farm being fed cake at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, dribbling into my coffee. That's not what I call being old. So what I said, I said, hold on, Lord, just for a minute. I said, I want to be healthy and, and I want to I do this well, and I don't want to die of sickness. I just want to curl off and just sleep my way to death. And I felt the Lord say that too. So one day I'll just go to sleep and not wake up. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Hallelujah. Ooh, glory to God. See how you do it? And they think you're 30. Hallelujah. All right, let's go on. Do you love Jesus tonight? I'm sorry, church. I'm just joyful tonight. Some of you are looking at me like this. That's all right. That's okay. Whatever turns you on. David said in the word, Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So write this down. If you get the oil, you get the goodness. If you get the oil, you get the goodness and the mercy. Now, this, this, this comes to the crux of what I want to share today. We have the transference of power of David and Saul. And I want you to listen here carefully. Number one, as the oil was falling on David's head, an evil spirit from the Lord was falling on Saul. I'll say it again. As the oil was falling on David's head, the Bible says an evil spirit of the Lord was falling on Saul. Three times <coughs> it says an evil spirit from the Lord. And I'll be honest with you, all my life that has perplexed me until a few months ago. So here's the question. How can an evil spirit come from the Lord? God is good. He is pure. And in Him there is no darkness at all. God is holy and there is no guile in God. And yet the text says, an evil spirit from the Lord. So let's look at this at the transfer of power. Oil, oil is flowing, listen to this, oil is flowing on what was next and evil is flowing on what was. 
oil is flowing or anointing is flowing on what is next and evil is flowing on what was. The oil prepares David to be king over Israel and the evil spirit comes upon Saul to unsettle him out of his seat. And here's a special note. Never tell God you won't move. If God tells you move, move. Everything standing in your future has to move. Everything standing in the way of your destiny has to move. The oil is working for God and evil is working for God. Now let's just take it, take it a little bit slow because you're looking at me now saying, I'm never coming back to this church again. It doesn't mean that God is evil. It means God controls evil. What does it mean, an evil spirit from the Lord? It wasn't of the Lord. It was from the Lord. It didn't come out of his essence or nature, but it was dispatched from Satan but out of God's control because he controls all things. We read in Job 1.6, God says to Satan, you can touch this, you can touch that, but you cannot touch his soul. In other words, I give you limited permission concerning the trouble or evil that you wrought upon my servant Job. So Satan came to Job by God's permission. Here's the thought. We have a hedge about us. If trouble gets through it, it means God allowed it. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good or work together, and are fitting into a plan for good for those who love God and who are called according to His design and purpose. In other words, God has total control and He makes good and evil work for you. Ooh. God, otherwise, God would only be the author of good and totally out of control with evil. And evil would have carte blanche over your life. God is not the author of evil. Satan is the author of evil. But God provides boundaries. And when we are confronted, because the Bible talks about an evil day, when we are confronted by evil, God's getting ready to use the evil for your good markers. That's what God does. I prepared this, I prepared this message and Kathy said, read, read me your notes. And I read the notes. She said, oh my God, don't preach that. And she said, what are you doing? But, uh, but the problem is, I don't know about you, but this scripture worried me. This was here an evil spirit from the Lord. It's not, it was the way it was written. The evil spirit didn't come from the Lord. 
It's like when God, when Satan came to, to God and began to barter with God about the evil that he was going to bring on Job. And God said, you can do this, but you can't do that. And when trouble does get in, and when evil does get in, if our mind and our heart is fixed on God, all things, I don't mean some things, I don't mean just a little bit of things, all things, everything, works to good, to the plan that God's got over our life. He'll use good and he will use evil. Tell the Muslims that got slaughtered in Christchurch, New Zealand, in a place of worship, about evil. We live in a putrid, evil, vile, despicable world. This is not the world that I grew up in. As a boy, I grew up in a great world. The worst thing when you're a young guy, the worst thing you can ever do is get a girl pregnant. Today it's drugs, it's perversion, it's pornography, it's, it's all kinds of junk out there and, and ice and everything else. And, 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 and young people have just confronted with things that I never had to confront in my life. I mean, a big sin was smoking a joint. Now we live in a world that's legalizing it. Dear God, how stupid can you be and still breathe? There's research out there that marijuana fries your brains. And some of us don't need that. They've got problems already. <laughs> Hallelujah. So don't smoke a joint. <clears throat> so we live in this evil world. So, so if you don't believe what I'm saying, you're saying now that God has lost control over evil and Christians are at the beck and call of Satan. Hands up those who know trouble sometimes gets in. And sometimes evil does. We are confronted with evil things. But if we rule our spirit and stand strong and say, God, I commit this to you. I've had a lot of evil stuff done to me. <clears throat> and I've wanted to fight back, and I'm a fighter. I've wanted to fight back, and the Lord said, this is my battle. I will handle it. Some of the hardest things to do when we are confronted by evil from people is to do absolutely nothing. But he said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. God knows how to handle your opposition. The Bible says he prepares a table before your enemies. The greatest thing you can do to handle your enemies is have success. Glory to God. You don't have to fight them. You don't have to call them on the phone or rebuke them. You don't have to get into a slinging match with your enemies. They've already formed an opinion of how and what they think you are, so you're not going to change their mind. So why waste the time arguing with them? Just have success. Say, Father, give me more grace and more favor. They'll see it. I spoke to someone the other day in, from Australia. And this was a, an enemy of mine, trust me. And uh, they said to me, 
Well, I'm 50 now. I don't know what significance that was. I've known them for a while, and I said, well, I'm 72. And they said, well, you're looking good. I said, I know. Yeah, that's right. Glory to God. Because I felt good. I wasn't really talking about my outward appearance. I was talking about what I was feeling on the inside. I love being a Christian. It's a wild ride. Hallelujah. I've been on television. When I first came over the 90s, I was on multiple television shows, multiple radio. And uh, I would never have got that opportunity had I not been in the ministry. I've been on all kinds. I remember I was on one show called Sunday Night Live. Glory to God. And the music came on Sunday Night Live. And, and I was on it. And, uh, and uh, it was a, a Christian show. But, uh, and, and, and it had uh, the, uh, the Dallas skyline and everything else. And the pastor comes out. And, and it was all like this. And, and I came out. And, and everybody else came out. And, you know, it was all like this. And I thought afterwards we achieved absolutely nothing. Right, but it was a lot of fun. You know, we all came out like this, and it was fun. We we did this. I would not have done that had I not been saved or in the ministry. So I'm talking about sacrifice and I'm talking about cost. But listen, the, the other side of it is you're gonna have more fun than you can poke a stick at. And it's gonna be legal. I ask myself, how can I be this happy and illegal? Something's got to go wrong sometime. Are you getting something out of this tonight? Can you give me just one minute? <laughs> Glory to God. I just looked at the clock. Just one minute. Glory to God. Amen. Because Preston said, if you go over, no offering. So I just thought, okay, well, I've just got to obey him. I've just got to obey him. So... <clears throat> What if I get into trouble? Hands up those who have got into trouble. Anybody here got into trouble? Hands up those who got into trouble this week. Glory to God. Hands up those who got into trouble with your spouse this week. That's me every week. Glory to God. If trouble comes into my life and my life belongs to God and he's got me hedged in and if trouble got through, he had to allow it and equip me to deal with it. He gives me a grace to deal with trouble, but he uses trouble so that we toughen up on the inside to rule our spirit. Sometimes he allows the things I don't like, don't understand, but I trust him because I know all things are working together for good in the plan he has for my life. It's going to work for me even if it's evil. You can't live in an evil world and not confront evil personally in your life. Joseph told his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God just doesn't control good and leave evil to chance. He loves you too much for that. He controls the good and the evil. If he didn't, then evil would, could do anything it liked and as it wished. 
Evil just can't do anything to me because God has a hedge around us. Turn with me to Ephesians 1 verse 11, and I close with the scripture. Ephesians 1 verse 11. And it says this, In Him we also were made God's heritage or portion, and we obtained an inheritance, for we had been foreordained, chosen, appointed beforehand, in accordance with His purpose, who works out everything. Everybody say, everything. Who works out everything in agreement with the counsel and design of his own will. He has control over all things, not just some things, but all things. We live in an evil world. And many times the goodness of God is an insulation to the evil that we confront. I believe tonight that God wants you to know his anointing and even of a stronger way. Even in a stronger way. Two more phrases and then we'll quit. For you to be successful, you have to be somebody's answer. Saul's problem becomes David's opportunity. The Bible talks about that the anointing makes room where there is no room, a way where there's no way. God uses all things in your life, good and evil, to bring you into his plan because the Bible says all things work together for good. God created space for David. He created an opening. So as you serve him with gladness, God will create room for you. And this is really cool. Saul's evil was actually David's answer. And I close with this. Have you noticed I've had 25 closes in the last 15 minutes? Everybody in this house tonight has a plan. Some people will waste majority of their life. But God has not moved. If God can use the latter part of your life, if you will realize that you do have a plan, he will use that in your life. It's never too late. And I'm here to tell you, it's never too late. God doesn't care about your age. He cares about your heart. If he finds a young person that's not willing, he'll find an older person that is. He doesn't care. And I tell God this, I'm willing. I'm willing to run. 
I'll run hard and fast. I'll run young people off their feet. You're going to have to run to catch up with me. I've been running for years. I'm like a thoroughbred racehorse. I'm willing to run the race. I'm willing to run the appointed course. I'm willing to confront trouble and I'm willing to confront evil because I'm working on the basis that all things work together for good. And you cannot live in a world that doesn't have evil. But imagine worshipping a God that had no control over evil over your life. Can you imagine following a God that kept getting sideswiped every time evil, you confronted evil? Wouldn't that be a terrible thing? So what God does, he limits it like he limited Satan with Job. He says, you can do this, this, and this, but you can't do that, right? And then what he does, he uses it as his servant to train you. And what Satan means for your harm, God means for your good. It's the goodness of God, man. Did you enjoy that tonight? Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.